All right, take your Bibles for some time in the book of Revelation this evening. Revelation chapter 11. I've spent much time in these texts, and as you can tell this morning, I wanted to say way more than I could possibly think about and fit in. Listen, can I give you a word of advice? Go to Zechariah and just learn that text. Learn Zechariah. Those eight visions he has in one night and how they parallel with um, the book of Revelation and going all the way down to you know chapters 9, 10, 11. You have so many prophecies of Jesus' first coming yet fulfilled, yet some second coming. Lots of things going on in the book of Zechariah. But we have to move on from there, and we look now beginning at verse 15 of Revelation 11. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the text, we are reminded of the lesson this morning about the two witnesses, how in the darkest hours of the earth in the future, when sin is rampant and rebellion has reached a crescendo, you will raise up two godly men who will stand for you and proclaim the gospel. They will prophesy. They will call people to repentance. But the world will get angrier and angrier and angrier. And after three and a half years, the beast, the Antichrist, will kill the two witnesses. Their bodies laying for all to see, but you will raise them up and call them to heaven. And everybody will see a, del- a delightful, glorious picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and they'll be given one final opportunity for repentance. Oh, I pray, Father, I pray for the men and women on earth in that future day. Maybe they're born already, maybe they're not born yet. I pray that they would heed the message of the gospel. I pray that they would heed the proclamation of the two witnesses in the future and humble their hearts, bow their knee to Jesus, and trust him. But Father, we are living in a day of grace in the church age. Where are we? How come we are not more passionate for you? Where is our love and devotion to you? So I pray tonight you would encourage the discouraged and comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. Thank you for being patient with all, Father. We just love you so much. And thank you for this glorious text. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have four points. So I know about how much time I want to spend on each point. Beginning in verse 15, we're at the end of the sixth trumpet. Remember that? The sixth trumpet is blown. The angel with the scroll has commanded John to eat, and John ate, and it was sweet in the mouth and and bitter in the stomach. As God's word is, sweet for the believer, but then bitter when we realize the lost will perish. And then we see the two witnesses as they stand before Jerusalem. And I have had this on at various times. And here, even though it's late at night in uh, the city of Jerusalem, we can see live stream who's walking around the hotel. I didn't tell people this morning, but that picture, that video feed is of the western wall of the Temple Mount. That is the western wall that Herod the Great had expanded and and modernized of, of Zerubbabel's temple. So we people still go to the western wall where they believe it's the closest they can get to the Holy of Holies, and there they worship and pray. And I didn't even get to explain all that. But maybe that's the location of the two witnesses with the temple right behind them someday. We don't know. Just guessing. But at least you get a visual of how all the world could see these witnesses. But here... We're ready to now sound the seventh trumpet. And although the seventh trumpet will sound tonight, we're not going to get the details of the seven bowls that are poured out until a future chapter. We have more things to learn and digest before we get to the seven last plagues, the great bowls of wrath that are poured out onto the people. Verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded. So the trumpet sounds. 
Now, you and I are going to be located up in heaven, and we're in the text tonight. So you and I, although we're seated here at Faith Baptist on a Sunday evening in February 2017, someday we are going to be caught up to heaven, we'll be with the Lord, and we will sing this. We will sing these words, and we will remember Yes, we had a Sunday night sermon on it, and now we're living it out. So I'm preparing you for what you're going to do in the future. Verse 15 again. The seventh angel sounded. This trumpet echoes across the streets of gold all across the universe, and there were loud voices in heaven. I think, I think it's us. I think it's the angelic realm. I think it's the four living creatures. Just loud voices, rumble, 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 rumble. Can you hear it? Like the roar of Niagara Falls, if you've ever been there. Loud voices in heaven. And here's what the loud voices are saying. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Wow, what a declaration. So my first point, number one, there will be a victory, and it is the Lord's. My first point, there's a victory, and it is the Lord's. It is already a done deal. The words are in print. We have them here. We haven't said it yet, but it is a guarantee, 100% certain, there will be a victory, and it is the Lord's. The kingdoms of this world. Who runs the kingdoms of this world right now? Satan does. He's the god of this age. He's the prince of the power of the air. And he will get the kingdoms snatched out of his hand someday. So I'm going to take you to two texts. You don't have to go there. Just remember this with me. I might take you to, I'll for sure take you to one. But Matthew chapter 3 the, the, the devil himself is tempting Jesus while Jesus was walking on earth in his flesh. And remember the third temptation in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3? The devil had the nerve to say to the Lord, look at all the glory of the kingdoms of the world. Look at Asia. Look at the Middle East. Look at the Western world. Do you see all the kingdoms of, and the glory of the kingdoms, the wealth of the kingdoms? They are mine, Satan said. And if you, Jesus, bow down to me and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms. Whoa. Can you imagine that? Satan is offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And if Jesus takes it, he bypasses the cross and we have no salvation, and he becomes a servant of the devil. And the devil wins, but Jesus doesn't. What does he do? He quotes scripture. What do we do when we're tempted by the devil? You want to resist the devil? Learn and know Scripture, right? Live Scripture out. Obey the Scriptures, and Satan has no hold of you. I love it. The Lord is so awesome. And now, we're shouting out in heaven, there's a victory, and all the kingdoms of this world are snatched away from Satan. He is helpless and running like a scared demon. And Jesus is the victor. The kingdoms of this world. Now, second text. Isaiah. Now, remember when I preached through Isaiah a couple years ago? From chapters 13 to 23, there are 10 chapters of woe pronounced upon all the different kingdoms of the world. Many different kingdoms. It starts with, anybody remember what it starts with? The first woe, the first, remember it's the judgment of the nations, Isaiah 13 through 23, and the Lord is saying to King Ahaz and Hezekiah, do not trust the nations ever. Because the Lord's going to crush the nations. And some, in, and remember in every chapter, some believers in the, some Ethiopian are, some Ethiopians are believers. So there's judgment on Ethiopia, Ethiopia, but then there's some believers left. There's a judgment upon Tyre, but there's some believers. It's kind of neat. There's great judgment, but then always little believers that come out. The first kingdom that God pronounces woe on? Babylon. You know why? Because way back in Genesis chapter 10, Nimrod was the first man to face the Lord 
I think, because I think of the way it's written in the text, he, he was a mighty hunter and he faced the Lord. Panim al panim. He went face to face. I don't think in prayer, I think with fight. I think he went to the Lord and said, God, if I could kill you and I'm going to try, I want to dethrone you and take over the whole world. His name was Nimrod and he established a kingdom called Babel. And since that day, that kingdom has risen against God the entire time. And in Revelation 17, what happens? Babylon falls. But see, isn't that glorious? The kingdom of... Okay, so then Isaiah 24, it's all at the conclusion of the judgment of the nations. Then it says, the Lord will come. He'll shake the planet so it will totter in outer space like a drunk. And he's going to come on this planet and he will, he will humble every self-righteous king. And then it says, and the Lord will sit as king in holy Zion. That's a great text. We don't have time to go there. Sorry, but Psalm 2 we do. Let's go to Psalm 2. Psalm 2, we've got to do this. It's coming up in just a moment anyways. Psalm 2. There is a victory, and it belongs to Jesus Christ, right? Psalm 2. I hope you are thrilled by the scriptures. I hope every time you go to the Bible, it just kind of puts a burn in your heart, a burning fire in your heart. Psalm 2. A thousand years before Jesus was even born, many thousands of years before it actually is going to happen, here's what the Bible says. Psalm 2, you with me? Why do the nations rage? Great question. Why are they angry? I'll tell you why they're angry. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is righteous and we are sinners. And the, and the nations are raging because they want their own way. They want to do what they, what they want to do without any penalty or consequence. And they are furious that Jesus Christ will come to judge sin. So they are angry. They are angry that they can't have their own way and they can't they, and they have to have the consequence of the Lord. So why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? You see, they're plotting. The people of the world are plotting, and what they're plotting is a vain thing, meaning it's not going to work out. They're, you, know what they're, they're, you know what they're plotting? How do we kill the Lord Jesus Christ? He's coming back in power and great glory, and he's going to t- try to take our kingdoms and the kingdoms of the world away from us. We've got to stop him. We're going to gather in a valley called Armageddon. Har Megiddo. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. So we're going to gather there, and when Jesus comes back, we will fight him to the death. It's going to be their death, right? Okay, so why do the nations rage? Why are they so angry? Because they want freedom. They want to live in their sin. And why do the people plot a vain thing? Again, they're trying to destroy God, and they cannot do it. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. Oh, all the kings, the king of Iran, the king of Iraq, The king of China, all these kings are gathering together. What can we do to get rid of Jesus? Because we hear he's coming back. We have to be ready. Let's get the military. We'll get an army of men. We'll get the weapons. We'll get the shields. We'll do whatever we can do. And when he comes, we kill. The kings gather together amongst themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord, that's God the Father, and against his anointed. Who is the anointed? Jesus Christ, the Mashiach. Here's what they're saying. Let us break their bonds in pieces. Oh, what does that mean? It could mean, let's break the bonds of the Trinity. Let's kill God. Let's break their bonds and dissolve them. We don't want them anymore. We don't want them as the high power ruling over all. Let's dissolve the bonds of the Trinity and then cast away their cords from us because we feel captured by them and we want liberty and freedom to sin. See what they're saying? What's God's response to the rage of the nations? Verse 4, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. You know why he's laughing? Because of a verse. 
Do you know the verse? Psalm 76.10. The wrath of man, what? What does the wrath of man do? Shall praise him. The wrath of man shall praise the Lord. Psalm 76.10. Because the Lord laughs and says, You are plotting a vain thing. Nobody can conquer me. I am omnipotent. If I want the kingdoms of the world, I'm going to come and snatch the kingdoms of the world away, and they're mine. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that tremendous? The Lord shall hold them in derision, and he shall speak to them in his wrath. His final wrath is going to be demonstrated by seven angels with seven bowls, and they're going to pour out their judgment. I think, boom, boom, boom. Maybe in one week. All of the judgments, maybe in, who knows? I think it's a very short period of time. We're at the end of the seven years. There's been seven seals. The seventh seal has contained seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet contains the seven bowls. And at the very end, after the final call for repentance, judgment pours out on the nation. God is going to speak, and he speaks in his wrath and distress them. What's the distress? He's going to take every blade of grass, every tree, all the fresh water, all the salt water, all the fish, all the ships, all the sun, all the moon, all the stars, he's going to leave the planet bare and dark. Desolate, bare and dark. People are going to be standing on this planet, looking up, going, there's not a star, there's not a light, we see nothing. And then, like a zipper, or like a a streak of lightning, flashing across the sky, it's going to break open with a glorious light, and unsaved man, and the people on earth that are still alive, saved, I mean, that are believers, will see the Lord Jesus descend on a white horse, coming to rescue his children, and, and punish all the wicked. Isn't that incredible glory? No wonder why we're up in heaven when the seventh trumpet sounds, because we know the descent is any moment. We're going to cry out, the kingdoms of this world now belong to the kingdom of our God and Savior. Precious. All right, verse 6. Yet, God says, I have set my king. You've all anointed your kings and they're failures. God says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you, Jesus Christ, are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, son, and I will give you. Well, what's he going to get? The nations for your inheritance. Every nation for the inheritance of Jesus Christ. No wonder why we're going to shout, the kingdoms of this world belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Oh, this is, okay, Another great thought from the Bible, Daniel chapter 2. Remember Daniel chapter 2? In the days of Daniel, I'm taking you all over, sorry. But Daniel chapter 2, who's the king? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a gold statue, right? But then it has um, a chest and arms of a different material, thighs of a different color, a uh, different material, and then, of course, feet of a different material. And he is perplexed beyond measure. But then he sees a mountain, and out of the mountain, a stone is carved without hands, and it rolls down. And what does that, what does that stone do? It crushes, it, it runs into the statue. Quite the dream he has. It runs into the statue, and it pulverizes the statue. And then the mount, what happens to, what happens to the stone? It grows and grows and grows and it takes over everything. That stone is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, crushing the kingdoms of this world and then growing and expanding. Isaiah 9, 6 goes on. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, right? Um, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the, it, the government shall increase and increase forever and ever. So the government of Jesus Christ is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. I don't know, that's all extra. But look at this. 
Ask of me, verse 8 says, I will give you the nations for inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. That's what God the Father is rewarding the Son with. Verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, and these are earthly kings. Be wise, President Trump and uh, President ne- um, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the rest of the kings and queens of this world. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Pay homage to Jesus Christ. Worship him as your Savior, lest he be angry. And if he's angry, what's going to happen to you? You perish. I think this could be the two witnesses' message to the Antichrist. Antichrist, as he's coming to kill the two witnesses, kiss the Son, lest you perish in the way. And uh, when his wrath is kindled, but a little. Isn't that interesting? All the fury of the great tribulation, it's just a little of the wrath of God. He hasn't even reached his, you know, his threshold, infinite threshold of, of wrath. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. All right, well, I did all of that because it's going to help us unlock the rest of this little text. Revelation 11. Now do you see why the loud voices are loud up in heaven? saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign, how long? Forever and ever. It's like we hear the seventh trumpet, and we all know the kingdom is about to start. Listen, we don't talk enough in the church about the kingdom. We talk a lot about the church. The church, the church, the church, and I think that's a good thing. We need to talk about the church. But we need to be looking forward to the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, merging to the eternal state. We don't know enough about the, the millennial kingdom, and we really we need to do that. And so we should delve into that whole aspect of the kingdom. All right, so my first point. Oh, boy. There's a victory, and who does it belong to? Jesus Christ. Here, the church. Verse 16, you and I show up, and the 24 elders, representative of the church, I believe, who sat before God on the thrones, we fall on our faces and worship God. We get off our thrones Get down and fall on our faces. Face to the golden pavement of, of heaven. And here's what we're going to say. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty. We're going to thank him. The one who is and who was and who is to come. The eternal God. The eternal God who never had a beginning and will never have an end. The all-present one. We give you thanks. He's almighty too. Um, because... You have taken your great power and reigned. See, why is God long-suffering? Why hasn't he come back and done this? He is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3.9. That's the whole reason he hasn't done this already. But when he does it, and that seventh trumpet sounds, we're going to shout and say, Thank you, Lord God Almighty, because in your power, you have taken your kingdoms back. They belong to you now. So my second point, there's going to be a victory It belongs to the Lord. Second, there will be intense wrath from the nations. My second point, there will be intense wrath from the nations. We already saw that in Psalm 2, so I won't reiterate that. Verse 18 says, the nations were angry. Why were they angry? They wanted to cast off the bonds of the Lord. They didn't want him ruling over them. They were angry, and your wrath has come. All right. His wrath has come. The final bowls will be poured out. Third point, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. So God's wrath is going to come, and with his wrath comes judgment. So my third point, there will be a righteous judgment. 
You all agree? There's going to be a victory, and the victory is the Lord's. There's going to be anger. It's coming from the nations. There's going to be a righteous judgment, and it's all of the Lord. He is going to judge those who are unbelievers that have rejected him, and he will cast them into a lake of fire. Matthew 25, I think it's verse 44. I'm not quite sure, but it's right around there. It says that God prepared the lake of fire for who? The devil and his wicked angels. But those who follow the devil and are part of the devil's kingdom or part of the kingdom of the world, they will also also perish in this lake of fire. The dead will be judged, and those who do not believe ultimately cast in the lake of fire. Look at the next part. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. That's my fourth point. My fourth point is there's going to be a reward, and it's gracious, right? We haven't earned it. It's gracious. So there's going to be a victory. It belongs to the Lord as he snatches the kingdoms away from Satan and, and out of this world. Secondly, there's going to be anger, but it's coming from the nations. Third, there's going to be a righteous judgment. Matthew 25 also says it's going to be a sheep and goats judgment. The believers will be the sheep going to one destination, the millennial kingdom, the goats going to everlasting fire. But those that get rewarded are two groups of people, the prophets and the saints. The prophets for standing up and declaring the message in the midst of some hardship and believers. But then he qualifies the believers, even those who fear your name, small and great. Do you want to know what's a characteristic of all the believers in the world? We fear the Lord's name. We have reverence for Jesus Christ. We, his honor and reputation matter to us, right? Uh, Malachi chapter 4 says that God has a book of remembrance, and in the book of remembrance is written everyone who believes, everyone who knows, and he will not forget. Isn't that, it's just, I mean, there's so many sweet things in the scriptures, but especially the book of Malachi has some tremendous things to say about that. So we should reward, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. In our case, when do we get our reward as a church? After the rapture, I think right away at the beginning of the tribulation, we'll be in heaven being rewarded. This reward that we're singing about is the tribulation saints and the Old Testament saints. Because Moses and the other Old Testament saints, they won't get a glorified body to the end of the seven years. We get our glorified body at the beginning of the seven years. They'll wait seven more years, and then they'll be raised up and rewarded. So David and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ruth and Esther, and all those men and women of the Bible, they'll be rewarded at the end of the seven bowls as Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. And then all the tribulation saints that died, they'll be rewarded at that point too. Revelation 21 through 4 says, wow, God is a righteous judge and a gracious rewarder, isn't he? I'm going to challenge you in the next minute as we wrap this up, as we look at wrapping this up. You have an appointment in the future, and it's called the Bema Seat for the church. It's not in this text. The Bema Seat would be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and there you'll be rewarded for the things done in this body, whether good or worthless. Things that are worthless, they're going to be burnt up, 
Our sin paid, no condemnation, no guilt. Remember that? No shame, no condemnation, no guilt, but rewards. You'll be rewarded just for faithful service on earth. If you're faithful in little, in the future kingdom, you'll be given much responsibility. So I'm going to challenge you, just be faithful to the things that God has called you to do. None of us goes and does it all, but whatever area God has given you the ministry, just be faithful. Do it joyfully, lovingly, willingly, over and over and over. It's a blessing. So there's a great reward coming. And those who fear your name, small and great, all believers will be, rewar- will be rewarded um, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Those who rebel against Jesus, they get, they get destroyed. So my four points, quickly, there will be a victory, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be great anger, but it's coming from the nations. There's going to be a righteous judgment by our God as he comes, and there's also a reward, and it is very gracious to all of us, but particularly here to the tribulation and Old Testament saints. Now, the last thing. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven. So this is the first time we see this. There is a real temple that Moses and Solomon and Zerubbabel and Herod and the tribulation temple and the millennial temple. Well, not the millennial temple. Let's stop there. Um, All picture. There's a real temple up in heaven, a real tabernacle up in heaven that all of our temples on earth have just been pictures of. They've just been very shadowy copies of, according to the book of Hebrews and, and of course, this text. So finally, the temple is opened so that people can see in. And what do they see? The Ark of His Covenant. The Ark of His Covenant is the very presence of God. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? He sees the Lord, but how much of the Lord did he actually get a gaze of? Just the hem of his garment. He just saw the cuff of the robe. And that was all Isaiah could take. Isaiah looked at the hem of the Lord and thought, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And now we get a gaze as the doors of the temple in heaven open, and everybody gets a gaze of the glory of God. Why is the temple opening? Because who's coming out? The Lord is coming out. What's he going to do? Come to earth. The, temp, the, the trumpet's blown. The bulls are, getting, are going to be poured out. And as the bulls are poured out, I think as that last one's dripping upon the earth, and hailstones, 100 pounds, are pum, pummeling this earth, the doors of the temple have been opened, and now Jesus comes off the throne, gets on that horse, and comes down, rescues this planet. Wow, this is such an incredible chapter. You could have a whole, whole... A movie of this, and I, I think it would be just dramatic to, to see this in visual form, but uh, we're going to see the reality. Why do we need a movie about it? We're going to see it in, in real life. Last thing about this. There were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake and great hail. Okay. The result of the glory of God coming out of this temple and Jesus soon to get on his horse and come to earth just produces lightnings, hails, earthquakes all over the planet Earth. It's just shaking this little planet. How can this little planet handle the magnificence of a holy God?